you guys doing? Good. Well, it's great to be back. I've missed you guys. I'm very excited, though, about this season that we're in, uh, where we're looking to go back to the basics. And uh, right now, we're focusing on the major categories of our life, God, people, and stuff. But uh, throughout the coming weeks and months, we're going to go back to the basics and some more specific areas of our life that I think are going to be incredibly helpful We're going to look in a a series that we're calling How to Marry Well. So whether you're single or dating or married or remarried, this will be something that we hope is very helpful for you. We're going to look at how we can live in a way that our finances aren't such a burden to us. And we hope that we can give you some tools out of scripture to live a successful life financially. Uh, And then as we get closer to Easter, we're going to be looking at what happens after this life and how we can have assurance of where we will go when our time on earth is over. Now, over the last two weeks, Witty has been teaching a very simple concept for how we can go back to the basics, and it's based around this idea of believe and behave. And so the simplest thing that we can do in our lives is to behave like we believe. So the things we say we believe in, we should be behaving accordingly. And it it sounds really easy, but if we're honest, all of us have areas in our life where there's inconsistencies between our belief and our behavior. And so months ago, when Witty and I first talked about this idea of believe and behave, it took me like three seconds to realize a, a point in my life where there's a huge inconsistency. And so I'll share you real practically. Here's how it works. I believe in the laws of the land. And I believe in respecting authority. I I believe in, in, in our police officers and I love them, I'm thankful for them. And I drive like I'm auditioning for Fast and the Furious, all right? Everywhere I go, and here's the thing, as a pastor, I don't wanna make excuses, uh, but I'm going to. So. You know, my dad raced motorcycles and flew jets. It's like, it's in my blood, right? I'm like, Ricky Bobby, I just want to go fast. But there's an inconsistency between what I say I believe and how I'm behaving, and that inconsistency has cost me, quite literally, with an embarrassing number of speeding tickets. And there's no doubt that I would be a more successful driver if I simply behaved like I believe. And so last week, we talked about our belief in God and whether or not that's shaping our behavior. And in light of last week, today we're going to talk about people. How do we deal with people, and, and what do we believe, and how do we behave about our relationships here on earth? Now, it's been scientifically proven that we are all made to live in community. We're born hardwired to be in relationships with other people. It's why God didn't create any of us in a vacuum. But we've also all experienced how complicated relationships can be. Maybe it's just because people's opinions are so vastly different than yours are, or maybe their personality just rubs you the wrong way. Peer pressure in your social settings can be hard to navigate, and romantic relationships, oh gosh, romantic relationships are the most complicated. They're stressful and and unpredictable. And when we find these complications in our relationships, it often leads us to behave towards people in a different way than what we believe about people. 
And so we believe that all people deserve respect, but we're quick to leave a vicious comment on social media with someone we don't agree with. And we believe that people are more important than stuff, but often we'll step over those same people in order to get the next raise or to raise our own social status. We believe that all people intrinsically have worth, and yet sometimes we find ourselves treating people like they're worthless, sleeping with multiple partners without any intention of a meaningful relationship, leaving that person feeling a sense of worthlessness. And you know, not only do we all fall into these inconsistencies, but we're also often the victim of them. Maybe you have been a victim of cyberbullying, or maybe someone has stepped on you and used you to get ahead in life. Maybe you've been abused or neglected, or you've been made to feel worthless. You know, so often, we don't behave like we believe. And when we don't behave like we believe, it can be really difficult to build a great life. Our beliefs are the foundation that we build our lives on. And if those beliefs aren't informing our behavior, then the winds of life are constantly going to knock us down. And so the question for us today is, how can we go back to the basics in our relationships? How can we behave like we believe when it comes to dealing with people? Well, the good news is that the Bible has a ton to say on this exact topic. And today we're going to start in the book of James. Now, James was the half-brother of Jesus, like the Jesus. And I want to take a time out just for a minute to say, how hard would it be to be a sibling of Jesus like there's already so much sibling rivalry and competitiveness, and you always think your sibling is the perfect child. Jesus was the perfect child. Like your A plus isn't gonna impress Mary. Jesus just walked on water. <laughs> and this did affect James because we know that he didn't immediately believe that Jesus was who he said he was, that he was the son of God, the savior of the world. But amazingly, James did come to believe. And when Jesus was done here on earth and went back to heaven, James actually became one of the leaders in the church in Jerusalem. And so there was a huge turn in James's life. Now, as we read in scripture, we see that the early church came under severe persecution. And so this church that James was overseeing, it had an incredible population of people. You see, within this one community, there were some people who were very wealthy, and at the same time, there was a large population of people who were very poor and destitute. And the amazing thing about this church is the Bible says that they brought all their stuff together and they began to share with one another and what someone lacked, someone else would make up for. But during the persecution, it got so bad in Jerusalem that people had to flee from their homes. And so now this church was on the run and the question was, were these wealthy people going to continue to behave like they believed and continue to be generous to the people who were less fortunate? And that's where James writes to them in chapter two. He asks, what good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? 
You see, James is challenging the wealthy people in his congregation that even though you're in a hard situation, even though you're in persecution and you're now on the run, you have to display your faith or express your faith through the way that you're gonna love and treat the poor people in our community. He was just telling them straight up, listen, your kind words aren't gonna keep someone warm at night. Your prayers aren't gonna feed an empty belly. He's saying there has to be action attached to their faith. And in fact, he rounds out his thoughts by saying in the same way, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, is useless. Faith and action. Now the the incredible thing about these words is that in the Greek, these same words translate to believe and behave. James was challenging these believers with the same challenge that we are taking on as City Church. He's telling them to go back to the basics, to behave like they believe, and to express their faith through loving the people around them. And so when James lays it out very logically like this for us, it makes a lot of sense that we need to behave like we believe. And so the question for us is, what exactly are we supposed to believe about being in relationship and dealing with the people around us? And so to answer that question, we're gonna go to the ultimate authority, Jesus himself. Now one day Jesus was speaking to a Jewish audience And he gave a new idea, a new teaching that blew everyone's minds. And so in the book of Matthew, Jesus is quoted by saying, therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there, remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Now, This would have sounded insane to the Jewish audience that Jesus was speaking to. Because here's the thing, their offerings that they gave at the altar in the temple, not only was this the most important part of their religious system, but this is how the Jewish people showed their love for God. And what's more important than showing your love for God? How could Jesus insist that we put God on hold while we go and make things right with another person? Now, I don't know how many of you grew up in church. I grew up in Baptist churches. But what we're taught in church is that there is nothing that takes priority over loving and in our relationship with God. And so the way that that plays out is you're encouraged to memorize more Bible verses and to go to more classes and to sing louder in worship, and to trade in your shirts, and wear Christian t-shirts, and there's nothing wrong with any of those things. But the reality is that I was in too many churches with too many people who knew the Bible backwards and forwards, but were some of the most mean-spirited and judgmental people when they saw someone different than them. They understood that their priority was with God, but they didn't understand how to relate to the people around them. And so Jesus teaches something new. And in his teaching, he gives equal priority to loving God 
and loving the people around you. He says, if you're working with God and you know that you've wronged someone, go make it right first and then come back. This is a radical new way to believe about how we should treat people and a radical new way to behave. And in one of Jesus' last times on earth with his disciples, he explained why this matters. Jesus gave them a new commandment. He said, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. And here's why. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. This is how people will know that you're serious about following Christ, that you're serious about your relationship with God if you love one another. Now notice what, notice what Jesus didn't say here. He didn't say that people will know you're serious about following Christ, that people will know that you're serious about loving in your relationship with God. If you go to church more often, or if you're the loudest singer during the worship, or if you can quote his entire book, those are good things, but he says, this is how people will know if you love the people around you. And so here, Jesus is teaching this incredible biblical concept. Your vertical relationship with God is only as powerful as your horizontal relationship with people. Your vertical relationship, that's your relationship between you and God, is only as powerful as your horizontal relationship with all the people around you here on earth. This is why James was adamant that the people in his church not only loved God and had a relationship with him, but that they loved the people around them. This is why Jesus could say with confidence that you can leave your offering at the altar and go make things right with your brother. Go make things right with your coworker, with your family member or friend. He could say that because he knew that if you've believed in Jesus, if you've put your faith in Jesus, your relationship with God is squared away. You're good. God is waiting to see if you will express your love to him through loving the people around you. And over and over throughout scripture, this theme continues to emerge. It's what Paul says, expressing your faith through love. Expressing your faith in God by loving the people around you. Behaving like you believe. And so this idea became very clear to me several years ago when I first met Katie. Now, many of you guys know that I'm a stepdad, so when I started dating Katie, I was also dating Lane and Paxton. But before any of that started, I sat down with Katie and, and we had you know, this important talk and I poured my heart out to her and told her that you know, I, I really thought she could be the one and I wanted to try this relationship and, and she was down with all that, but she told me very clearly if you cannot unconditionally love my children, I cannot be in a relationship with you. Now this was bad news for me at that point in my life. I had purposefully avoided children all the way up until that moment of my life. I wasn't good with kids, I didn't understand kids, I don't know how to talk to them or hold them. I definitely don't wanna change someone's diaper. Like, this was a big deal. But here's what I quickly learned. 
I could have been the most romantic person in the entire world. I could have given Katie all the money that I had. I could have bought her fancy houses. I could have written her a million love songs. And it's just like James said, it would have all been useless if I didn't love her children. And so I believed her and I behaved accordingly. I immediately started hanging out with all three of them and God interjected this unbelievable love, not only for Katie, but also for Lane and Paxton. And because I could love them, it opened the doors to an unbelievable relationship and ultimately to the person who's now my wife. And now that I am a parent, I completely understand Katie's thought process. Because here's the deal, you, you have a problem with me, you wanna, you wanna do something to me, or talk trash to me, or get physical, I've got a lot of patience for that. I'll be all right. But if you intentionally mistreat my children, we will have a problem. And I'm guessing that the parents in this room completely understand that. And even if you don't have kids, I'm guessing that, that in your mind, you can understand that. And if you can understand that, then you understand the heart of God. God isn't content with people who come and sing all of his praises and memorize his whole book and go to all of his classes and wear all of his t-shirts and then go out and mistreat his other children. Your vertical relationship with God can only be as powerful as your horizontal relationship with others. And Jesus not only taught this, but he demonstrated it. There's a million different ways that Jesus could have shown his love for God. He had all the power in the universe. And the way that he chose to show it was by choosing to die for us. Greater love has no man than this, that he would lay down his life for his friends. Jesus chose to display his vertical relationship with his father by loving every one of us. And when that happened, the power of God's love was unleashed in a way that has never been seen before. So powerful that it erased the debt of our sins and our mistakes past, present, and future for anyone who simply believes in Jesus. And not only that, but all of us people who are down here on earth wondering what is my purpose and what am I doing here and why doesn't my life feel significance? Every one of us is invited to join with Jesus in loving the people around us. Your vertical relationship is only as powerful as your horizontal relationships with other people. And Jesus is asking us to believe it and to behave accordingly. And so here's what I'm asking you guys to do. I'm asking you to take some time to think of the person or maybe it's a few people in your life that you know you're not okay with and I'm asking you to fix it. Will it be hard? Yes, probably. Will it be awkward? Maybe. But if you love God, this is how you show it. It can be very easy. You can go see them. You can call them. You can write them a note and just simply say, I've mistreated you. I'm sorry. And how can I make it right? 
I've mistreated you, I'm sorry, how can I make it right? It seems so simple, but those words can change somebody's world. And it is what we've been called to do. Here's something I believe. I believe that the world doesn't need another church who comes in and sings God's praises on Sundays and leaves the building and treats everyone in their life like crap for the rest of the week. There's enough of those churches and you have to remember, church isn't something you go to. It's not these walls or this screen or this stage, it's you. You are the church. And God is looking for a church who will join him, going into a world of darkness and rescuing people. People who have given up hope, people who have given into their addictions, people who don't believe they have any worth. And all they're waiting for is someone with the power of God inside them to simply come and love them. To behave like we believe regardless of their skin color or their colorful past, regardless of their social status or if they're rich or they're poor, regardless of their sexual identity, regardless of it all, to stand up and decide we are gonna be a people and we are gonna be a church that is known for how we love the people around us because God loves us and we love him and we're gonna show it to the people who are involved in our world. Just imagine if we did this. Imagine the traits that you'd be instilling in your children. Imagine the impact on your neighborhood as the people who live closest to you see you finding ways to intentionally, sacrificially love them. Imagine in your workplace, instead of being this competitive jungle, it becomes a place of servant leadership. This can happen. Jesus said that religion is simple, you love God, and you love the people around you. He's asking us to behave like we believe. That is being the church. It's a movement that we should get excited about. It's a feeling that just can't be stopped. What if it's as simple as finding somebody this week to love? You know, you ask people about City Church and they go, yes, they play rock and roll music there. Oh, everyone there has tattoos. There's a bunch of crazy. What if when you said, I go to City Church, they said, oh yeah, that's a place that loves people. That's my dream, and I believe it's yours too. Let me pray for us, God. We thank you for loving us. God, you loved us way before we loved you. And God, now you ask us to go out and to love your children. Give us the strength to do it. Give us the courage to do it. God, give us the patience and the time that it might take to go out, to behave like we believe, and to see how we can change our world. So God, we love you. We thank you for Jesus, for him coming down and showing and proving your love to us. And I ask that you continue to be with us and encourage us and inspire us. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.